Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. And in the second part on our series of valvular heart diseases, we'll be talking about diseases that affect each valve individually. Um, because it's such a vast topic in itself, I'll talk about the valves individually uh, and break it down into two episodes. Uh, in the first episode, we'll talk about aortic uh, valve disorders, um, which once again, like I said in, my, in the first episode, can be divided into stenotic disorders and regurgitation. So aortic stenosis um, occurs on the background of repeat insult and uh, degeneration of the um, aortic valve. It can be due to degeneration over the over time, or it could be a result of uh, rheumatic inflammation. Now, because the pathophysiology is um, very similar to atherosclerosis, the, the risk factors for aortic stenosis are uh, almost identical to the risk factors for atherosclerosis, and these include uh, inflammatory states like obesity and um, interleukin uh, polymorphisms or any polymorphism that uh, predisposes a person to um, inflammatory conditions. Interestingly enough, people with um, chronic inflammatory diseases like rheumatoid arthritis tend to suffer ischemic heart disease and valvular heart diseases at a rate higher than the general population. Other risk factors include the apolipoprotein E4 um, uh, polymorphism, um, high cholesterol, high low-density lipoprotein disorders, uh, diabetes, smoking, chronic kidney disease, metabolic syndrome, and um, interestingly enough, vitamin D receptor um, gene polymorphisms. Now, as a result of aortic stenosis, this predisposes uh, the aorta to left ventricular hypertrophy due to an increase in the pressure gradient between the atria and the ventricle. Because outflow from the left ventricle um, is obstructed, the left ventricle will dilate first because of that sort of restriction of um, outflow of blood. Eventually, the afterload creeps up um, too high at rest, and this may be symptomatic, but when the heart is challenged in conditions such as exercise or anything that requires an increase in um, cardiac output, the ventricle undergoes hypertrophy and uh, its oxygen requirements increases, which predisposes the ventricle to ischemic damage and hence fibrosis. Eventually, the heart may begin to buckle under the pressure of keeping up with an increasing afterload and uh, reduction in its contraction capacity, and that may predispose it to um, heart failure. In terms of the clinical picture, aortic stenosis is usually asymptomatic. Eventually, the stenosis may progress, and when discovered, the stenosis may have become quite narrow just owing to how well the heart can compensate for the, the pathology for quite a while. And as a result, the following um, symptoms are produced. Exertional dyspnea, chest pain and angina, syncope, increased dyspnea and fatigue, and the presentation may even be an arrhythmia. Finally, sudden death may occur as well. On examination, a slow-rising carotid pulse may be felt. The pulse may also be weak and low cardiac output may manifest as peripheral cyanosis or, th- or orthopnea. The patient may complain about dyspnea at night, uh, which may wake them up, having to change position because of pooling of, of fluid into the lungs uh, due to low cardiac output. Cachexia might be um, a, a presenting problem, and signs of uh, right ventricular failure may also manifest, such as uh, hepatomegaly, raised jugular venous pressure, and uh, very occasionally tricuspid regurgitation uh, due to black backflow of um, the fluid overload from the left ventricle to the pulmonary, to the left atrium, down to the pulmonary vasculature into the um, right ventricles. If severe enough, there may be a thrill over the carotids, uh, systolic thrill. On auscultation, there's an early systolic ejection murmur, which is loudest at the aortic region, which is in the um, second intercostal space uh, right of the sternum. It's described as a crescendo-decrescendo murmur, and it radiates to the carotids. 
when suspected to further investigate this condition uh, routine investigations have a limited role given that it's a very structural pathology hence an ecg may be the first line of investigation which may demonstrate uh, signs of left ventricular hypertrophy with possible ischemic changes like st depression and uh, t wave inversion in in uh, the leads uh, just anterior to the, the left heart this isn't a very sensitive finding and can be confused with left ventricular hypertrophy from other causes. More importantly, an echocardiograph, transthoracic or transesophageal, is very useful as you can anatomically visualize the thickening or the increased uh, echogenicity from the calcification of the, the valve uh, may be visualized. At the same time, you could also measure the outlet size of the valve, which may be reduced. The transesophageal route offers a better visualization of Doppler flow measurements give an estimate of how severe the flow restriction is. A chest x-ray may be performed and it may show left ventricular hypertrophy which is manifested as the left ventricular border that's sort of shifted towards the left and the cardiac apex sort of starts to balloon, it sort of starts to round as the ventricle dilates. The aorta may also be dilated at the same time and the left atrium may follow the enlargement pattern uh, resulting in the loss of that uh, sort of S shape in the uh, upper left region of the, the chest x-ray um, that correlates to the cardiac silhouette. The pulmonary vasculature may also become uh, prominent. When very severe, the right chambers may also be dilated. Coronary angioplasty may also be indicated if the patient is considered a candidate for intervention. And to treat this condition, generally asymptomatic patients are not treated and um, they're followed up very closely um, and man managed just con conservatively with avoidance of physical activity to avoid complications such as heart failure. The medical management is uh, to reduce cardiac output, which is just a way of inducing a resting state by using beta blockers or ACE inhibitors. For symptomatic relief, nitroglycerin may be used for angina, and uh, risk factors such as uh, hyperlipidemia can be controlled with statin therapy. For surgical option, they may be, uh, the options are a transcatheteric aortic valve replacement and a direct surgical repair of the aortic valve. And the other aortic valve pathology I wanted to talk about was aortic regurgitation. And once again, just as I spoke about in my first episode, uh, regurgitation can be divided into anatomical and functional disorders. The anatomical is primarily a valve valvular problem and that may be congenital or acquired. Congenital disorders are like fenestrations or a bicuspid valve. Uh, it may be a result of uh, myxomatous degeneration, collagen disorders, etc. Um, acquired conditions include rheumatic heart disease um, and that's usually uncommon without concurrent mitral valve disease. Infective endocarditis may also affect the aortic valve and uh, traumatic cardiac injury, which is quite rare, as you can imagine, may also predispose to primary aortic regurgitation. The functional causes is um, any sort of pathology that affects the structures that surround the aortic valve and this may be a result of aortic dilation, which increases the separation of the leaflets or the degeneration of the ascending aorta. Um, due to deformation of the medial layers that could be secondary to uh, marfanoid manifestations, collagen disorders like osteogenesis imperfecta, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, chronic systemic hypertension, uh, or it could be syphilis-mediated damage of the vasa visorum, uh, resulting in uh, weakness of the uh, medial layers of the aorta. And finally, ankylosing spondylitis can also result in um, degeneration of the medial layers. Because of the regurgitated blood, 
into the left ventricle there's an increase in the preload um, just before the contra the next contraction cycle but because this results in a dilation of the ventricle this allows uh, a higher stroke volume to be ejected at the same time the pressure required to eject that blood um, because of the dilation changes means that the tension required to eject that cardiac output is increased too Chronically, hypertrophy of the left ventricle can predispose to ischemic complications leading to failure of the ventricle. Eventually, the left atrial, pulmonary artery and right ventricular pressure start to elevate one after the other, resulting in a lowering of the cardiac output. With time, this may predispose to congestive heart failure. The patient may present as uh, with awareness of the heartbeat, um, exertional dyspnea, orthopnea, paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea, um, just as I spoke about in aortic stenosis, um, sympathetic activation uh, with signs such as sweating, um, angina, chest pain, and um, signs of congestive heart failure. On examination, they may have an early diastolic murmur on auscultation, and they may be in sinus tachycardia. They may also display signs of volume overload, and um, because of the increase in pulse pressure due to an increased systolic pressure and a reduced diastolic pressure due to the regurgitated volume, some unique signs are also produced such as head bobbing and distension of the arteries, um, what's described as a water hammer pulse, um, a, a sort of collapsing pulse, and capillary pulsations when you put pressure onto the capillary, uh, onto the nail bed. The apex beat may feel like it's displaced to the left due to left ventricular hypertrophy and the left and a left ventricular heave may be felt the second heart sound a2 may be absent and the murmur is described as a, a decrescendo diastolic murmur in the aortic space which is the second intercostal space right of the sternum which is increased with increased systemic vascular resistance to investigate this condition the etiology the cause of the problem is very important. Uh, an ECG may show signs of left ventricular hypertrophy and left um, and left axis deviation. However, this is not specific. An echocardiogram is invaluable in demonstrating the increase in size uh, and measurement of the systolic function. The systolic function may be normal until decompensation occurs. However, uh, using Doppler imaging, a regurgitation may be demonstrated. Aortic dilation may also be visualized and so can aortic dissection and leaflet thickening. The signs on chest x-ray are very similar to mitral stenosis. To manage this disease, acutely uh, medical management would include stabilizing the patient and that's to reduce volume overload um, using drugs such as diuretics and vasodilators. Beta blockers may also be used to reduce the cardiac output. In the long term, um, volume control and uh, reduction in peripheral vascular resistance may be the goal of management. If the underlying cause is found, it should be treated directly, such as um, syphilitic aortitis, uh, which is treated with um, antibiotics and similar. similarly infective endocarditis may also be treated with antibiotics. In younger patients, left ventricular hypertrophy may need to be controlled, especially with uh, um, the causes uh, uh, unamenable, and this may be achieved by beta blockers. Surgically, the aortic valve may need to be replaced, as previously discussed. If the regurgitation is a result of aortic root disease, uh, valve-sparing root reconstruction may be considered.